Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League. Brian Peacock here with Matt Williamson. This episode of Locked On NFL is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Our guest today is Tony Wiggins. He is the host of Locked On Jaguars, also an analyst at First Coast News in Duval County. Find him on Twitter at ShopTalkingWig. Let a friend know if they're a Jacksonville Jaguars fan. Tony's got you covered daily here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Tony, thanks for joining the show, man. I'm excited to talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars. It is a team that is not getting much love around the league right now. No, they're not, and and that's deserved. Uh, obviously, <laughs> I, I mean, I ain't gonna sugarcoat it. Uh, it is what it is, and it's it's what it's been outside of the 2017 season. Uh, by the way, my fans here and the people who will appreciate you knowing what Duval means, man, that's the county, brother. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, they, they they go crazy around here when people say Duval, man. So yeah, it's uh, it, it's a pleasure to be here with you and Matt. I listen to your work, and I, I really, really learn a lot, and appreciate you having me. Oh yeah, much appreciate. Like to have you. It's Duval with three U's too, right? Yeah, you you can put as many U's in it. Okay. Just don't use one. You know, you can use twenty of them. You know, <laughs> it, it, you know they take a lot of pride in that, man. You know, yeah. folks don't realize this, but Jacksonville is the area-wise, it's the largest city in the continental U.S. Wow. And oh. and the county, the county actually goes outside of the city limits of Jacksonville, and. Uh, there's some there's some things very unique about Duval, like you know, a guy walked into a convenience store with a alligator to go get, grab a twelve pack of beer. So yeah, it's like, it's like that's the most Duval thing you'll ever see. That's the kind that's of how it goes. Huh? Yeah, that's how it goes, man. <laughs> oh, so that, that's the Florida man we've been we've been hearing about so much. Oh yeah, Florida okay. man is something else. If you guys want to do the exercise, feel free to do it. Oh yeah, uh, I've done it. Google Google Florida man in your birthday and see the first thing that pops up. It's going to amaze you. One of them was <laughs> one guy popped up that a guy stuck a microwave into a microwave and blew his kitchen up. It's crazy. I'm telling you, man. It's what? wild, man. I like want to try that now. Yeah, a microwave <laughs> in a microwave. Okay. Great exercise. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, you talked about the pride of the Jacksonville Jaguars and. Um, I want to know how much pride there is in their quarterback. I listened to one of your episodes from uh, last week, maybe a couple of week, weeks ago now, about the disrespect of Gardner Minshew. And there's a lot of people talking a lot and spilling a lot of ink with a lot of excitement about some other second-year quarterbacks that maybe have a little bit stronger arm, maybe that were drafted a little bit higher. Where do you think Gardner Minshew is now, and why do you think he's being slept on nationally? Well, a couple of things. I think he's being slept on, first of all, because he was a six-round pick. And when you look at his history, he was at like Coastal Carolina or something, and he was going to go be a GA with Nick Saban at, at Alabama. And Mike Leach heard that he was available, and he called him, and he went out there. The kid has been to so many different schools, and it just doesn't scream blue-chip prospect. And when you watch him play, when you see him play, the thing that you notice about him is he's like a coach on the field. And I know Matt can appreciate that. He's that dude that will wow you on the board. He's a coach on the field. The thing is, is though most of his great play is off schedule. And what I mean by that is teams that Greg Williams came in here with the Jets last year and wanted to blitz him. And I told somebody in the press box, I said, if Greg Williams does what Greg Williams does, Gardner Mitchell is going to chew him up. Because when you blitz somebody that's that smart and knows how to play the position, he dinked and dunked on him all day. Wherever the blitz came, he threw the ball right over there all day long. 
the Saints then came in here, and I know it's a different talent level, but the Saints came in and they played that gap and hold. They rushed with four people, and they, it's almost as if they told the defensive ends, don't get beyond him and go, don't get beyond his armpits. And Sean Payton, I asked him in the press conference after the game, is that what you say? He said, yep, we wanted to make him play in the box and make him play on schedule. So mm-hmm. that's the thing with him is if people start doing that, we got to see what he's capable of doing. So it's the draft status. It's the fact that he he's not a blue chip prospect in terms of what his history is. The other thing is, and part of this is the blame on the fans, they paid so much attention to the way he dressed, the mustache, <laughs> right, right. the cool press conferences. <laughs> it all became a caricature. And the, the little Scooby-Doo van or RV he drives around. I mean, it's all of that stuff is cool. But at some point, I think Gardner wants to be known as not for his looks, and his Uncle Rico persona and all of that stuff, he wants to be known as a football player. And the fans around here, I've been begging and begging and begging, stop paying attention to pop culture. Focus on the X's and O's because that kid was 6-6 and as a starter and had 21 touchdowns and six picks. That's the stuff that we need to start. The football stuff needs to be put on the marquee instead of all of the personality stuff. That's really well said. And I've even said it on these airwaves a couple times. I was guilty of that. You know, I pretty much, I don't think this guy's a starter. He's a nice story. Okay, this is a flash in the pan. And during the pandemic, I went back and I watched more of him and thought, this guy's an NFL quarterback. He has poise. He obviously has intelligence. He The games never looked big for him. He knows where to go with the football. He doesn't panic. Those things for that age aren't common. No, no, they're not. And the thing about him that amazes me is he Nick Foles was hurt in the first quarter against the Chiefs. He threw a touchdown pass and was driven into the ground and, and broke his clavicle. This kid comes in in the first quarter, and I thought it was a mistake that they didn't go out and get like a veteran a Mike Glennon type or somebody who had played. Yeah, yeah. They, they, you know, I say you, you can't go into a, a year – where everyone's job is on the line and you got this kid as your backup because he didn't look really good in the preseason. He came in, man, and he never blinked. And 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 I know, and one of the things we've seen talented quarterbacks do, guys like Blaine Gabbert, all those guys, you know, 6'5", 6'6", 235, you guys know this. All of that doesn't mean a hill of beans when, that, when, that, when those bullets start flying and in the NFL everybody's fast and the game is fast. It is something that this thing wasn't bigger than him. And he was calm, he was cool, and he was collected. And guess what? The guys in the huddle felt it. And when they yeah. felt it, they broke the huddle looking different. They broke them. Man, they broke the huddle like it was food on the line of scrimmage and they were hungry. And and, and that's the thing, man. He has that thing about him. And it's going to be fun to watch and see if it continues to develop or mature. Is there a ceiling on it or is it, or is it going to keep going? Yeah, that's a good question. The ceiling. And I've always said that the quarterback is played from the neck up and you can have you can be that early round pick. You can have a, a cannon for an arm, but it doesn't matter. It's not going to work for you on the field unless you've you've got the mind for it. If you've got it working from the neck up and it seems like Gardner Minshew has that part of his game going and he has enough physically to be an NFL quarterback. And he's already proven that. And you mentioned rolling in as a rookie 21 to six touchdown to interception ratio, 60 percent passer right out of the gate. And he was 500 for a team that is probably a below 500 roster around him as a starter. So um, there there are some reasons to be optimistic about Gardner Minshew. And some of the arguments you've put on here today and some of the arguments from your podcast I was listening to 
really makes some sense about people that are maybe sleeping on Gardner Minshew. So I, I think there is some disrespect there. Maybe he can use that chip, and maybe uh, the rest of the Jaguars team can use that chip and surprise some folks in 2020. Yeah, and, and it's going to be fun to watch and see how he's used with Jay Gruden and uh, uh, McAdoo. McAdoo came in and, and took the quarterback coach's position. That's odd. That's like a double drop for a guy who was a head coach. You know, he comes in and he didn't go coordinate. Uh, he, he He's coming in as a, a quarterback coach. And Jay Gruden, who say whatever you want to say about Jay Gruden, but when you look back at his tenure, whether it was with Andy Dalton in Cincinnati, even in Washington uh, with Kirk Cousins, and I know it never seemed like he wanted Kirk, they always were able to put up numbers. And they were always able to have multiple wide receivers on people's fantasy roster and multiple running backs and tight ends running all over the field. They didn't put it together because if they did, he would have still been the head coach. But the thing about Jay Gruden is, when I talked about playing off schedule, Jake Gruden has a, an arena league background. So it's almost like you're going, uh-oh, this thing is going to work. And with Gardner, with the way that he talks the game, if you close your eyes, you think he's Sean McVay. That's the way he talks about football. And then if you open your eyes, you look at him and you say, that's what Johnny Manziel was supposed to be. I'm telling you, man, that that's the thing about it. And I was, I was not sold on him uh, early on because of the preseason. I'm just that old school guy that loves that veteran quarterback that's that's kind of been through it because I know what they're going to do, man. When you're a young guy, they're going to throw all of these grenades at you from all of these different angles. But it turns out that was a mistake because of his propensity to play off schedule and and run and scramble around and then look to throw the ball once he gets loose and not just start running. He's always got his eyes open. So that two minute drill scramble route type thing was was really the thing that got him over. And, and teams realized that at some point and said, you know what, this ain't no rookie. We're going to stop doing this because he's killing us. Let's try to make him play on schedule and from the box. And uh, it, it started to have some success against him late in the year. How about some of those guys that Gardner Minshew will be throwing to in 2020? And, of course, there's some drama on the defensive side of the ball. We've got to talk about the franchise-tagged Yannick Ngakwe coming up. Folks, I got to admit, I am not very handy. I don't know a lot about cars. I respect people that do, and frankly, I'm very envious because, I mean, the money you can save with a product like rockauto.com and being able to do things yourself and create the exact car you want is something that I would love. I mean, I'm, I just don't have that skill set, to be honest with you. And rockauto.com is a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for your auto and body parts needs from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts to fall, you know, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's your classic or daily driver, you get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. So go to rockauto.com now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear us box so they know that we sent you. That'll help us a great deal. It's an amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. You mentioned the Gruden hiring. I, I really like that. And I've always thought that he's, 
you know, been behind the eight ball a little bit as a coach, even with Cincy, especially with Washington, and probably is better suited to be a coordinator. You mentioned my man, Ben McAdoo, him and I GA together at Pitt, so I'm rooting for Ben. (laughs) And you mentioned the, when you said arena ball, I immediately thought, wow, that's a good fit with Minshew because he's such a quick processor. You know, that's how that game is. I mean, it's decision now. Get it out. Like, Kurt Warner was good at it. You know I mean? I think Minshew can really excel with that mentality. But I want to talk about these weapons. Um, you mentioned fantasy. I'm going to have some Jags on my team. Like, I think this is kind of a hidden goldmine for offensive production. Some of it might be Blake Bortles escalating games when they're down. But yeah. they got a lot of guys here. And I want you to talk about the receivers specifically but my sleeper, I know this is like the deepest sleeper of all time. I think Josh Oliver is going to be a really good player. I loved him in the draft. They did, yeah, me too. I, I loved him in the draft, and he, I, and and you, you'll hear me if you if you heard me before when I was talking to some people about him before he was picked. I said he reminds me of Jamichael Finley. That's the first yeah. thing I thought about. I said he looks like a guy that if he runs down the scene, he's going to be open all day long. Now he he leaves a lot to desire in the, in the area of blocking. And he looked really athletic in training camp last year. I was there the day he pulled his hamstring. He jumped and pulled his hamstring, and it never got right. So there's some people around here that have kind of forgotten about him a little bit because you know how media guys do sometimes. They love, well, he was a rookie, and we never saw him, so all of a sudden he's a bust. They, they haven't forgotten about him. They did go out and get Tyler Eifert, but they didn't forget about Josh Allen. You're going to see a lot of double tight end personnel, single back stuff. And, and and they have plans for a dude like that. And and the thing, you know, media guys have can, cancel culture when it comes to players if they don't show up right away. Guys that I talk to that have been scouts, that are pro personnel or player personnel people, they really take a macro approach to their draft picks, especially to those guys picked in the, in the first three rounds. They're looking at them based on what their career is going to be, not necessarily what their instant production is. And don't we, interrupt you, but especially at the tight end position. Rookies right. don't come in and blow it up anyways. I mean, you make that pick thinking this guy might be something in 2020, 2021, and Gruden's offense puts up numbers for tight ends. They do. Uh, Jordan, if Jordan Reed could have not had concussions, he probably right. would be sitting up there with the Zach Ertz and the, and the, and the, the Kittles and all of those guys. Because that's where he was headed, you know, and, and right now it looks like the Ingram kid in New York is having sort of the same problems, even though his his injuries are lower extremities. But those guys, those 235 pound, 240 pound athletic former basketball players, you've seen it, whether it's with Gates and, of course, Tony Gonzalez and Jimmy Graham. They have a lot of value, especially in the red zone. And when you're talking about stuff that happens quick, that's where it happens. Yeah. So, you know, that catch radius, that isn't going anywhere. That hamstring just has to get healthy for Josh Oliver for him to be able to take advantage of what Jay Gruden's going to write up. What do you think of the other receivers, though? I mean, I, I like the Chenault pick, too. I thought that kind of just fell in, in your lap. Yeah, and I talked to Dave Caldwell. He actually came and got a haircut, his post-coronavirus, oh, nice, nice. His post-coronavirus haircut. He likes him, and a lot of people like him. In fact, I sent Dave Caldwell a mock draft, and LaVishka Chenault was their second-round pick. And I asked him, you know, I tried to get credit for it. I said, did you do that because of me? He said, no. So <laughs> yeah, no, he ain't thinking Worth about a it. shot, though. Yeah, yeah. But so um, I like him. And, and the thing that I like about him is a lot of guys, my friend Pete Prisco, always, he always loves guys that can run, that can run, that can run. Chenault's sort of that guy like, he's sort of like an Anquan Bolden. He's sort of like a Keenan Allen where 
he ain't gonna never clock less than a four five five but he's gonna fight for the ball and then he turns into a running back once he catches it so that's the thing that we we have to look out for with him and i think they're gonna move him around let me tell you something though DJ Chark is a superstar. And he I'm, not, and I'm yep. not just saying that because he's 6'4 and he runs 4'3 and he's got that 215-pound frame. He has he he his work ethic really models his position coach, and that's Keenan McCardell. This is some guys, man, that they go to work, they're all business, and they're all about improving, and they're all about being great. And when you talk to him, that dude has that quality about him. And uh uh, he is going to be really, really special. And Jay Gruden has already talked about moving him around so that you can't lock in on him. And when a coach comes in and says, we're going to move this guy around, that means they're starting to design things for you. DJ Chark is your fantasy dude. I'm telling you right now that he made the Pro Bowl as an alternate last year. But he's also a guy that high points to football and finds the end zone. He's, got, he's, he's the real deal, man. He reminds me of A.J. Green with a little more toughness over the middle. Let's finish up this conversation about the offense, and I'm wondering what you think the long-term plan is with Leonard Fournette. Just use up as much tread of his tires as you can in the first four years of that rookie deal and then let him walk. The fifth-year option was not picked up for Fournette, so he's going into his walk year. He had his best season in 2019, 1,100 yards and uh, averaging over four yards per carry, 4.3 yards per attempt, which was his career high so far. Uh, what do you think the plan is with Leonard Fournette? I'm a bigger Leonard Fournette fan than a lot of people. And I'll tell you, there's some history behind it. And I'll tell you why. Most people, when you look at Fournette, they they talk about him as if he's a dinosaur, like he's sort of a Jamal Lewis type running back. And then you look around at the Christian McCaffrey's, the Kamara's. If you look in that draft, you look at Christian McCaffrey, you look at Kamara, you look at the kid that Kansas City had to cut uh, that's in Cleveland. You, you look at all of those guys, man, there was about seven or eight dudes throughout that entire draft that a lot of people believe that out, have outplayed Leonard. And it's because they're all airbacks. They're all at – well, mm -hmm. Leonard had 70-some-odd catches last year. The thing that bothers people about Leonard, folks, he, he's getting a bad rap as not being in shape. That's not true. What happened was he came in in great shape two years ago. He pulled his hamstring in the first game. He tried to come back in week three. He pulled it again. He missed seven weeks. And then when he came back, he was playing extremely well, and he got kicked out of the Buffalo game for a fight with Shaq Lawson. And then he got suspended you know, a game for that. And he made a comment. He said, I'm not in the greatest of shape. Now, look, I'm not a doctor, but if you miss seven weeks with a hamstring injury, that means you're not running. Right. So people took that as he came into the season in poor shape. He didn't. So he went and worked out in Wyoming with his old position coach from LSU. He came in here at about 222, 223 pounds. And let me tell you from day one, the dude did his thing, but he, those long runs he was breaking he was getting caught so i think he was a little dead-legged from all of the extra work in the offseason because he would break a 67-yard run and he'd get caught now granted it was kevin baird from the titans who's a pro bowler but the thing is is folks are mad at leonard because he's not an airback and here's what they're really mad at leonard about leonard was the fourth overall pick right and right after that deshaun watson got drafted okay and and and, and not for that's fault yeah, it's not Fournette's fault, right? And so then uh, I think uh, it was another quarterback pick. It was two quarterbacks taken. It might have been uh, it might have been a kid Kansas City. He, who was taken. They, meant, they traded up for Mahomes shortly after, yeah. Right, yeah, right. Mahomes so, was 10 and Watson was 12. Trubisky off the board at two that year. There you, there you Jags go. could have had either, yeah. Right, but they committed to Bortles, and they wanted a big running back. By the way, Dalvin Cook was in this draft too, and he's from right down the street. So it, it's like – 
because they didn't take a quarterback and because the very next year they were in the market for a quarterback and they had to let Bortles go, Tom Coughlin came out right after. He said they had four guys at number four on their list. It was Marshawn Lattimore. It was the safety in New York. It was Solomon Thomas. It was Leonard Fournette. They were going to take one of those guys. They were not taking a quarterback regardless. So the fans are mad that Leonard isn't an airback. He's not McCaffrey, and he's not Cook, and he's not Kamara. And they're also angry because he's not the quarterback. That's, That's the, thing, the, right? the MVP, yeah. and he's not Deshaun Watson. And now you got to play both of them if you're going to come through the AFC. So they're not going to they're not going to accept Leonard. Leonard's not going to be here after this year, I don't think, because by them not picking up that option, I think what he's going to do is pack it in and go to Philly or go to New England or go to Pittsburgh. He's going to go somewhere where there's a winning culture already established, and people are going to say, "Wow, we miss Leonard Fournette." I really think that's what's going to happen. I don't disagree with you. I think he's gotten a bum rap too. And yeah, he's a little bit of a throwback back, but he's gotten much better in the receiving game. And I bet he'd do okay if he was a chief. I bet he would. <laughs> I bet he. I bet he would. And, and you know, folks really hate the fact that he looks for contact. If he gets to the second level, he could easily run around somebody. He won't do it, man. Leonard. Leonard is trying to pummel you and punish you. It just reminds me of the story. I remember when uh, Tequil Spikes was on Monday night. They were playing the Dolphins. Ricky Williams had 25 carries for 78 yards. Tequil Spikes was mic'd up. He waved for them to bring him out of the game. He says, I'm tired of hitting this dude. The next play, Ricky goes for 78. That's who Leonard Fournette is. That's what he is. He's going to get you three yards, three yards, three, and all of a sudden, boom, he's going to break one for 40. That's just how he is, and, and people just don't like that part of his game. But remember, over 70 catches last year, so it shows you he's athletic. Mm-hmm. I want to get to the defensive side of the ball, but really quick, one more note on the offense. We haven't really talked about the offensive line. As a unit, where are the Jaguars right now? Can you talk a little bit about a guy who I think was a steal in the second round last year in right tackle, Juwan Taylor? I think he's their best player uh, on that line. He's athletic. He's big. He's tough. There's some people around here that says we kind of look like each other. That's, that's, I'll take that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he's not related to me, but a lot of people, they, t- they say he looks like a little Tony Wiggins. But the thing is, is, this is where there's a lot of space between me and management, Dave and, and, and of course, Doug Marone. And it's crazy because Doug Marone is by, by, by trade an offensive line coach. They went to the combine and they said, we think we're solid there. They had 12 picks in the draft. And, I, and, and everyone around here said that screen, smoke screen. They don't do that. Now, they may not tell you and they may not be transparent about their plans, but one thing they never do is say something and not mean it. They drafted one guy, Ben Bartsch, a kid out of a small school up north. And with 12 picks, I would think a team with 12 picks, even if you're the Dallas Cowboys, you would address the offensive line multiple times. They had 12 picks and picked one guy in the fourth round. So they really do believe in their offensive line. I don't. I think the Norwell kid that they signed out of Carolina a couple of years ago has been a bust at left guard. Cam Robinson was a second-round pick out of Alabama. We don't know if his future is solidified because, quite frankly, he had an injury, and before that he wasn't playing extremely well. They, people didn't sack Minshew a lot last year, and like you said, Fournette had his better, best year. So maybe they do know something. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt, man. They sure act like they, they feel that they're good in that area. I didn't see it, but they believe so. They're young, and there's talent at least. And I mean, Linder's not a bad player either. Yeah, he's pretty good. The thing is, though, is they when they had him at right guard, they they went after the Matt kid from Cleveland uh, a few years back, but Cleveland matched the offer. 
and they moved Linda to center. We always thought it would be easier for them. And I know this is easier said than done because center sort of like free safety. I can't tell who can play in college at center, but you sit there and you see all of these teams draft young centers, the McCoy kid out of Texas A&M. You know, you see all of these teams just drafting young players at the position. Why didn't you just leave him at right guard and go draft? They, they haven't found the right guard yet, bro. I mean, it's like you're still looking for guards and you're still going out in free agency, paying everybody else all of this money to come in here. And like I say, Norwell, it has was a turnstile at, at guard, and, and it, it, it's been crazy that that um, you see him every single week look like he shouldn't be pulling because he's three hundred and thirty pounds. And sure enough, they got him right back there this year. So the thing is, is most folks thought, why did you move him to center instead of leaving him at right guard, and then just go find a center? You can always find a veteran center, and they just didn't do it. We do need to talk defense here when it comes to the Jaguars, some really dynamic young edge rushers, and the veteran wants out. Yannick Ngakwe on the franchise tag. Will he still be around when the 2020 season starts in Jacksonville? You mentioned those 12 draft picks. They spent a lot of those on the defensive side of the ball. I want to get to some of the younger players on that Jacksonville Jaguars defense, but one of the guys that's been there for a little while, Yannick Ngakwe, wants out. Why is he still a member of the Jaguars right now? Um... That's a great question. Uh, now, Dave has pretty much said to me that they didn't get the interest from around the league that they thought. So most people think Jan has lost leverage, and he may have, but he hasn't lost anything because what happened was money-wise, the only way he loses, fellas, if he doesn't sign that, if he doesn't sign the franchise tender, and I talked to his agent Ari last year, and it sounded like they weren't going to do it. Jan hasn't lost anything until he doesn't sign that franchise tender. And I'll tell you why. That whole time money management thing people get wrong. Last year, he had a $2 million contract on his last year of his deal. They offered him, let's just say, I've heard it was a four-year $72 million extension with $48 million guaranteed. He said, no, I'll gamble on myself. He gambled on himself. And then I think he wanted $20 million a year, like four years at $80 million. So I said, Dave, come on, man. Why, why is everybody tripping on this guaranteed money? He said, because normally players get 62.5% of the guarantee. So even though it's monopoly money, that guarantee is worth – that extra money is worth about four or five more million dollars. And in the state of Florida with no state taxes, that's a lot of bread. That's a lot of bread anywhere. So the thing is, is if he doesn't sign a tender, that's when he starts losing. But I don't think they want to – get fleeced for a good young player that has 38 and a half sacks in four years. But I do think the market was a little bit shallow for him. Cause look at Clowney, you know, it, that's just the yeah, way it point. is. There's a lot of people that saw, and Jan is saying this, well, look at Frank Clark and DeMarcus cousins. And they both have checkered pass. Jan didn't say this per se, but I know that this is the way they're thinking. One of the guys in, was in the drug protocol. The other guy had issues in college with some, some sort of violence. And both of those guys got a five-year deal for about $102 million. I'm a clean prospect. Don't even eat fast food. $38.5 million. He was forever the anti-Dante Fowler. Remember, they drafted Dante Fowler, and then they drafted Jan the next year, and Jan was better. He was the anti-Dante Fowler. They traded Fowler because Fowler was immature, and he didn't work hard. Calais mm -hmm. Campbell said it himself. Yannick Ngakwe works like an all-pro, a 10-year veteran. That's the kind of guy you want to pay. But they offered him a good deal at the end of the year. That was more than the deal they offered the previous year. But by then, he was just done with them, and he, he doesn't want to be 
a part of the organization anymore. He loves the city, according to him. He just doesn't want to play for the organization. He just thinks that a lot of the things that national people believe about him is true. What do you think it would take for him, for them to deal him? Second? Uh, no. See, this is the okay. thing. That's a sticking point, right? Yeah, yeah. Dave Caldwell, got, in a year, this year, there were a lot of quarterbacks, Cam Newton and other people on the market, right? Jameis Winston was out there. Dave Caldwell still got the Bears to give him a fourth-round pick for Nick Foles in that big contract. Now, think about it. In that climate, you fetched a fourth-round pick when there were other guys that might be better than Foles available for the Jets to – I mean, the, the Bears to take. He is a master of getting compensation. He got two – Patient. Two, huh? Yep, he got two first and a, and a fourth for Jalen Ramsey. And that, that's a lot because it turned out he used one of those picks this year to take Calavion Chase on out of LSU. Now, think about this. They got two first-round picks next year. I think they got 11 picks next year. And that year is going to have two franchise quarterbacks at the top and a franchise left tackle. So you're going to have all of that currency in a year where you have three bona fide grade-A franchise players. The left tackle out of Oregon, of course. I'm talking about mm -hmm. Fields and the quarterback out of Clemson. I don't know if the Jaguars are going to be bad enough to pick one of those guys. But you still want to be the team holding all of those poker chips in a draft where all of that other talent is, is, is going to fall down to you. There are three players in next year's draft that are better than any player in this draft. And I, and I believe that. I think if you put those three guys, they go one, two, three in this year's draft. And I really believe it. Are they going to try to get all three of those guys on the field together? Josh Allen, Yannick Ngakwe, and Kalevon Chason? Or is Chason the guy who's going to be that speed rusher that replaces uh, Yannick Ngakwe? Or are we going to see more of a stand-up sort of off-ball role for Chase on as a rookie? They they play a lot of sub packages, just like most people around the league. It's like 65% nickel. And now that they got Joe Schobert at Mike Linebacker and they could slide um, Miles Jack over to weak side, you know, now that Telvin Smith, we know he's not coming back. So now what you're going to see is, I noticed in free agency, they went out and got that Marsh kid out of, I think his name is Cassius Marsh or something like that. They got him yeah, yeah. out of uh, Arizona. He's, he's that Sam linebacker who's 6'3", 250. That's not what they were used to doing. They were used to having 220-pound, you know, base 4'3 type linebackers. And then they draft Chase on. So I asked them, how are you going to use them? They said, we're going to use all three of them. You'll see guys standing up almost the way I'm thinking Petten uses those guys in Green Bay, how he has Rashawn Gary and, and Preston Smith and Zadarius, all those guys. They're all, you got two down linemen, you got a whole bunch of 255-pound dudes just standing up all over the place. I think what they, they're really hoping to happen is to stop the run on first down, which is something they didn't do last year, stop the run on first down, put teams in second and eight or longer, and then get that sub packaging where you have all of those guys. Now, the interesting thing is this. There are some people that believe Josh Allen should have been considered for rookie of the year and think that he's just as good as, as Nick Bosa. The problem is Josh Allen had over 10 sacks last year. He only played 60% of the snaps. That has to change. If he's your best player and he's that freakazoid, you've got to get him on the field more than 60% of the snaps. And I think he's the guy that's going to be out there the most. And then I think Ngakwe, if he comes in, will be out there with him. But then I think you'll see Chason lined up, even if it's moving Ngakwe to Sam linebacker and running some variation of some freak 46-type defense. They want to get all of those guys on the field all at one time. Last thing I really got for you is you mentioned the addition of Schobert. And I think a lot of people thought it was peculiar. Like, boy, the Jags have a ton of needs, and they're going out and spending big money on a second-level player. 
But I think he's a good player. But I, you mentioned Kelvin Smith, and Kelvin Smith was almost like the Jags version of Andrew Luck, quitting on him and no, no plan to replace him. Like when you know guys' contracts are up, you can plan for the future. Or you know, but when someone just decides decides to stop playing football in the middle of their career, the front office has no chance. Yeah, and and I'll give him a little bit of a mulligan, even though he's gotten his. You can Google it. He's gotten in some trouble now, man. He's got arrested for yeah. Under, under I'm not blaming him. I'm just saying, yeah. it puts the front yeah. office in a tough situation. It 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 did, but I think Telvin thought he was going to get traded. I think if he thought oh, okay. if he came in, they were going to get him out. And and because there was this thing, they drafted Miles Jack. They started him out at Sam. Didn't work. The uh the auto position, the one that they use in in the Bruce Irvin you know, using Seattle. They were running the Gus Bradley defense, the Pete Carroll defense. And then they tried him at Mike, and, and they sort of pushed Puzlesny out of the door too early. They haven't had great leadership at the linebacker position. And Miles mm-hmm. Jack was a guy who played running back and safety and outside. He was all over the place at UCLA. I don't think you can take a dude like that and make him an NFL Mike, and he's supposed to know where all his keys are, and he's supposed to know when to trigger. That thing doesn't come naturally, man, to a lot of people. So – they, he's not KJ Wright at the line of scrimmage either. Right. So the you thing know? with him, the thing with him is they everyone always thought his natural position was Will, but Telvin was good too good. It was almost a blessing that Telvin left because now you can move him to Will. They should have done it last year and gone out and gotten him another Mike linebacker. The thing with Schobert is, I would give him more more of a hard time, Matt, if he wasn't a three down player. If yeah. he was just a two-down player who was an old-school throwback, then it would defeat the purpose because now you still don't have a mic on, on those sub-packages when you're a nickel 65% of the time. So the thing is, is he he does. He covers well, and that's where I'll give him a little bit of a break. He covers well, and they're going to need his leadership now that Calais Campbell's gone and now that A.J. Boye has, has been moved on to Denver. They, they're just very, very young throughout that entire defense, and, and it's going to be Schobert. And it's going to be a second-year player in Josh Allen, and hopefully in Gakwe if he comes back. That's their leadership. We covered last week at the end of last week the uh, the worst teams, the worst rosters in the NFL according to uh, Pro Football Focus, and we've seen a lot of lists. And, and the Jaguars were dead last on that list roster-wise. Do you have any gripes with the Jaguars having the worst roster in the NFL? And do you see a path to potentially competing with? And, and I mean, that's a tough division in. The AFC South. I've seen a lot of lists that have the Colts winning the division, the Texans winning the division, the Titans. A lot of arguments for those teams. Zero arguments for the Jaguars winning the division. Could the Jaguars shock the world? And if they did, how could that potentially happen? Okay, here's what I think. I think this is how they're going to play. I think they're going to play fast and furious. I think they're going to average maybe 30 points a game, but I think they're going to lose a lot of games 34 to 30. They, they, they're going to lose games the way Kirk Cousins and the Redskins lost games. They're going to lose them in the last five or six minutes. But I think they're going to have a lot of shootouts because of the, the way they're going to try to run their offense. And then I think the excitement level is, is going to be a reason that everybody sticks around because, you know, unless they finish in the top three, Mitch is going to be their quarterback because they're going to keep him and they like him. And I think if he puts up the same type of numbers, these fantasy football numbers, he's going to look good doing it. And I think Jags fans can hold on to that. And to take it a step further, what if Minshew is this year's version of Dak, where you get a super cost-effective quarterback up until his contract's up, you're going to have tons of resources to add to the team. The Kirk Cousins comp is not bad, actually, either. I hadn't thought about that one for Gardner Minshew. Style of play and ceiling-wise physically. 
You absolutely will. You you you're gonna have tons of resources in terms of a cap because we see all of these teams. That's why Kansas City can do what they do because their quarterback is under a rookie deal. That's that's exactly why. And I'm glad you brought that point up because that's true. If Minshew turns out he did 21 touchdowns, six picks last year. Let's just say with Jay Gruden, he does what Cousins did. He does 30 with 14 picks, mm-hmm. and they win four or five games, but they're in like the way Frank Reich's team was two years ago. Mm-hmm. They're like in 11 games with five minutes to go. And, and the young like, guys are getting better. There you go. Yeah, then, right. then, then you say, why break it up? Mm-hmm. Why break it up? The odd thing about it. And if he falls on his face, you get Lawrence. If he falls on his face, you get Lawrence Fields. Let me tell you the odd thing. <laughs> let, me you, let me tell you the odd thing about Jacksonville, and I know we got to go. There are a lot of teams in the last 25 years that haven't smelled a conference championship game. People don't realize something. They've been to three in 25 years. That's a lot, bro. Yeah, we've three. we've talked a lot about some ineptitude from some franchises, and the Jaguars, even though they were expansion team in the '90s, have more success than some teams that have been around oh, for Detroit, a very, Cleveland. very long right, time. Yeah, yeah. right. All right, we're out of time here. Tony, thank you so much. You can find Tony on Twitter at ShopTalkingWig. You can find him daily at Locked On Jaguars. Tony, thank you so much, man. Great stuff. Thank you for having me, man, and I'll be listening up. And Like I said, I'm big fans of your work, and I appreciate you. Matt and I will be back tomorrow. Matt Williamson's preseason power rankings right here, Locked On NFL.